Welcome to the Gem of All Mechanisms podcast. My name is Brian Rentsman. This is the Chartered Institute for IT. This is a special limited series that we're doing, uh, talking to the authors and the editor of the new Women in Tech book that BCS have recently published. I'll give you the full title because you'll want, you want to chase it up after. It's a practical guide to increasing gender diversity and inclusion. And I'm speaking today to Hannah D. So first of all, thank you, Hannah. Hi, Brian. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. And you? Good, thank you. Good, thank Lovely. you. Lovely. Yeah. Now, um, you're one of the uh, co-authors of the book here. So um, obviously I know you, but we want to introduce you to the, uh, to the audience. So tell us a little bit, just a little bit about your career background and what you're doing at the moment. Okay, yeah. So um, I'm a computer science lecturer uh, in Aberystwyth University, which is on the west coast of Wales. Uh, if you've not been to Aberystwyth before, head to Birmingham and then keep going, stop when you hit the sea. Um, <laughs> it's a small town and it's a lovely little university, really good. And we've got a very good computer science department, uh, um, particularly in the areas that I like, which is computer vision and robotics. Mm. So it's a good place for me to be. Um, the I've been here since 2010. So I've been a lecturer for 10 years. Um, before that, I worked in France for a bit doing research into face recognition and in Leeds for a bit doing research in computer vision and I got my PhD from Leeds and um, it's part of ancient history so I don't need to go back that far. Um, <laughs> my, uh, my, my involvement with the book is not research related at all really but to do with my activism with regards women in tech. Um, so uh, I set up the BCS Women Lovelace Colloquium, which mm. is the BCS's uh, event, the only event for undergraduate and MSc women computer science students. Um, and I set that up in 2008, having been to a conference myself and found myself as the only woman in the room. Mm. And I thought, this is a bit weird. Let's see if we can uh, do something to provide more positive experiences of the conference experience to uh, young women in computing before they get further. So in 2008, I set that up and managed to get myself co-opted onto all sorts of committees um, and organisations from then on. And I'm still somehow still chair of the conference, uh, <laughs> mumble years later. <laughs> and, and it goes uh, very well, doesn't it? It gets a lot of uh, coverage, doesn't it, the colloquium? Yeah, no, it's just quite, it's growing every year. So the first year we put it on, I had 50 students turn up and I made the sandwiches myself by going to Morrison's and buying baguettes. And um, the last time we held it face to face, we had over 200 people with Google yeah. represented and employer stands and events in the evening before and the evening after. And it was pretty, it was really buzzing actually at Salford University. We took over this huge atrium with young women doing cool things. It was great. Yeah, I mean, um, and we cover that in, in the BCS magazine from time to time, so we know how good that, that is, yeah. Um, I mean, when we were just setting up this meeting, you sent me one of your, what I thought was one of your typically cryptic emails because you're doing something quite cool with submarines. Do you want to tell yeah, me? Yeah, so my, um, <laughs> my, my most recent research grant, which uh, has been successful, is to purchase a robotic submarine. So... Um, I, I'm, well, I'm, a, I'm a university lecturer, so I do a lot of teaching and I do mm. uh, as much research as I can. 
and all of my research in the last couple of years has been around trying to get this submarine going um, in terms of delivery and so on. You can understand it's been challenging doing submarine stuff with um, two meter social distancing yes. when the submarine weighs 70 kilograms and is two meters long. I mean, <laughs> geometry is against you for picking the thing up. <laughs> yeah, you can't actually. <laughs> so, so we've had it delivered, but we've not been able to get in the same room as it and lift it up until very recently. And we, so we've got the trait, we've got the, the manufacturers coming out to run training. So I've been looking at boat hire and swimming pool hire in order to do training and testing of this submarine, which is not what you know, generally when thinks of computer scientists, one doesn't think of trying to organize a boat for a week. <laughs> so no, but you know, one of our jobs at BCS is- out, But yeah, it's yeah. quite fun. Well, that's one of our jobs at BCS, isn't it? To to, to yeah. engage people's enthusiasm and interest. And obviously, you do some really interesting stuff, which is why yeah. I like to you from time to time. So, what what are you going to do with that? What, what's the plan? Are you, what are you researching and and, and studying with? Yeah, them? so um, I've got a couple of uh, events planned around the submarine, and when you get a new piece of kit, you have to do quite a lot of. Well, obviously, you've got to learn how to use it because mm. it's it's not just. Yeah, if you've got a robot, there's different hardware, there's different drivers, there's a new there's a robot operating system, which is a completely mm. robot specific specific operating system. And I'm quite familiar with that because we've got other robots that use it. But the different obviously, if you've got a submarine, it can go forwards and backwards and up and down in a way that robots that go on the ground don't. So there's mm. different types of control to learn. Um braking, obviously, quite hard. Um <laughs> managing the cameras managing the sonar there's a lot to learn uh, so we've got a lot of training to be organized but the other thing you have to do with a new piece of kit is you have to do kind of pr almost so um what i would really like to do is to get this as a facility that people use for research into underwater plant life underwater geology mm. um the geography of lakes and rivers um, basically, if it's got two meters of depth of water, we could probably use this submarine to do something interesting in it and look at the world in a way that we've not been able to look at before, right? And my interest is the vision, so it's uh, processing mm. the images and the sonar. Um, but I'd like to work with biologists to look at underwater habitats for crabs and lobsters, and I'd like to work with geologists looking at um, the glacial structures that exist in Cardigan Bay, just off the coast of Wales, which is kind of interesting, ge geologically speaking. Yeah. But building 3D models of them could be really interesting. And maybe we might do some virtual reality stuff, looking at building a VR diving experience, because once you've got the underground world, you could turn that into a VR experience that mm. people could experience um, in a different way and that brings up all sorts of new stuff with accessibility for example so people who can't dive might be able to experience diving um, and also i'm trying to work with the people in the english and creative writing department because why not <laughs> absolutely <laughs> well look i mean that sounds really interesting and that's exactly yeah, there's all sorts of avenues right absolutely i'm not short of, not short of ideas <laughs> When it goes on a bit further, we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk to you again about uh, how things are going with that. But uh, thanks for filling us in. Now, going back to the book, tell us a little bit about uh, maybe you've had some experiences yourself with, with what motivated you to get involved, and uh, what would you what would you be happy to share with us there? Um, well, 
I mean, the reason I started the Lovelace Colloquium mm. um, way back in 2008 was that I went to my first conference as an undergraduate, as a postgraduate, so as a postgraduate student, um, presenting my work for the first time outside my own institution. And it was a conference, it was in Prague, it was the European Conference on Computer Vision. And I was speaking in a workshop and that workshop had about a hundred attendees. Not sure, cause I didn't really count them. Um, and I was kind of halfway through my 25 minute presentation and I realized I was the only person in the room who wasn't a guy. Right. And I don't know if you've ever felt that experience of being the only man in the room. And um, generally guys don't have that as often no. as women do, particularly right. in computer science. Um, and, but it's disconcerting, yeah? Mm. You, you're used to it in little groups of fours and fives. You're used to being the only woman in the room in small meetings. But if you, just because of the statistics of small numbers, um, you're going to find yourself the only woman in a big, the only woman in a big room at some point, just because not everyone goes here. Ten percent women. It doesn't take much for that uh, to swing right yeah. down. And um, I actually stopped talking for about. It felt it felt like yeah, ten seconds, but it's probably just a couple of seconds. And just stood there going, uh. <laughs> and, and then I sort of got my thread back and everything, but it was just really weird. Yeah. And I mentioned it to a colleague uh, who was obviously a guy because everybody I was there with were guys. Mm. Um, uh, I found it weird and they couldn't see why it was strange. And that's the kind of thing that started me off in right. the women in tech sphere, actually thinking about how can we provide experiences that make this less likely to happen and yeah. how can we provide positive experiences to kind of counteract that um, and the Lovelace Colloquium the Women in Tech Conference I always say it's aimed at women but it's open to all because mm. I love it when the guys come and get to experience that there's, a, there's only ever like a handful of them but yeah. they get to experience the gender ratio flipped and I think that's yeah. really important for them as much as it is for the girls to and to the young women to experience um, being in the majority, yeah. That's, that's an interesting perspective and a, a very good point, actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. In, interesting. So don't give away too much about what's in the book, obviously, because we want folks to buy it. But what, what, what was your what was your particular area? What was your angle in, in the book? So yeah, when Gillian um, Gillian Arnold, the editor, um, talked to me and talked to us about, we had a couple of Zoom calls about planning for the book. And I said, it's really important to look at the experience of younger women mm. um, and argued that we needed to have something on the experience of schools and something on the experience of universities as part of the book. Because whilst the book is aimed at people working in the tech sphere and people, IT professionals, I think without understanding what we sometimes call the pipeline, Mm. Uh, although the pipeline metaphor is problematic, uh, but it's sometimes called that the the, yeah. the route from um, early education into the career, into the profession. If we don't consider that, then um, you're missing out on the background. You're missing out a lot on, on a lot of the why we've mm. got a gender balance uh, or imbalance. And I think if you're going to take the, the subject seriously, you have to consider 
how we got here as well as what we have to do. Um, so Excellent. that's that's what we're trying to do in the education chapters. Um, look at the recent history of schools and also computing in schools is mental. It has changed so much. Yeah. If unless you have been in school in the last five years, you have no idea what computing in schools is like. Um, okay. And it's different in all of the devolved nations. So England, Wales, Scotland, Northern yeah. Ireland, different again. It's different globally. Um, but all of these different models of what computing in schools might look like seem to be resulting in a gender imbalance. Okay. When you look at your class now, because obviously you lecture, as you said, what's, has the gender balance changed for you over the last sort of decade or so in, in your in, in the unis, um, yeah. not really. Um, no. The Every now and then you'll get a uni that basically puts loads of effort into it mm. and maybe moves the dial a couple of percentages. So I know Sue Black's been doing some great yeah. work in Durham yeah. and they've moved the dial a couple of percentages. But one of the things that I'm not sure about is whether that's encouraging women who wouldn't otherwise do computing to do computing or whether that's just those women who would do computing are going to go to Durham because they've got that kind of reputation now yeah, as yeah. being the place that looks after the women. Um, so I think a lot of universities do a lot of stuff to support their women students. I know that we do a lot to support our women students and I think that generally we do quite well at supporting the women students in terms of activities for them and so on once they get here. Um, but I don't think we're getting any more students through. That's interesting. Um, I, I've spoken to Sue about that and yeah they, they've had quite some success there but I hadn't considered that possibility that it might just be because they've got the reputation now that's an interesting yeah. point. So what, what's the... Um... Also, also there's a question of small numbers right? Yeah. I mean we've got Let's, let's say a, a, a medium-sized computer science department has 200 students in their first year, right? And they've mm -hmm. got 15% girls. Well, that's 30 students, right? Mm. So you get another five. You've seriously shifted the percentage. Yeah, that's true. Yeah? yeah. It's just the stats of small numbers. Yes. Um, yeah. That's a fair point. What do you think are the priorities in addressing the situation in then Hannah? Again, without without um, um, gutting the book. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, honestly, and I, I think the, the real thing we need to do is to stop this pinkification of girlhood. Right. I mean, uh, this is my personal opinion, and, and this isn't expressed particularly strongly in the book uh because we didn't really go into that kind of thing in too much detail but you get this idea that science is for boys mm -hmm. and it happens really 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 early mm -hmm. yeah i remember one of my nephews had a science themed birthday party when he was like five and invited the kids in his class and one of the girls refused to come because science was for boys right yeah yeah and if that's happening at five, before they've even spent a whole year in the school system, yeah. then there's something up, right? And there's something up that I, as a university lecturer, are going to have real difficulty challenging because it's yeah. happened yeah. 15 years before they've got to me. Yes. 
Okay. Now, um, one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask all, all my interviewees for this um, was about you know blokes being advocating for uh, for this for this stuff as well. So I, I'll, I'll put down here on the need to get male buy-in. Tell us tell us straight what should men be doing. <laughs> don't don't varnish it. Just tell us what you do. Ah, don't varnish it. Well, I I know that um, a lot of us have been working in this field for a long time, right? So I've been active in this since probably 2006, mm. which is when I started talking about setting up the Lovelace. Um, so that's 15 years of my career. I've been spending doing considerable effort on women in tech stuff. And I look at my male colleagues and not some of them have been really nice. You know, some of them have been really supportive but none of them have been putting in the kinds of effort that I have into this kind of stuff. And if you look at the women colleagues that I have, mm. some of them don't do any women in tech stuff at all, but most of them do a bit. And all of the hours that we spend on this are hours that we're not spending on becoming brilliant programmers or yeah. superb researchers and stuff like that. Yeah. And you think, well, if it's worth doing, and the argument we make is that it is worth doing, right? Then yeah. the guys need to chip in. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. It's just yeah. as simple as that. You can't have it that all of the diversity work is done by the people who are already dis disadvantaged by the situation. That's yeah? a good, great point. It's, yeah. it's, it's every hour I spend running this conference is an hour that I'm not working with my submarine robot, mate. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who are your, your go-to inspirations? My go-to inspirations? Yeah, or people that you've, you've been inspired by or... So, I really, really rate people who put the time in to do the diversity work and also manage to do the research work. Um, so, um, I'm going to say Heidi Christensen at Sheffield mm -hmm. is really solid. She was one of the Lovelace chairs and she does loads of stuff for their Athena Swan project, but she's also really, really cool researcher doing stuff on speech and language. And I really, she's, she's one of those people that's done the, does, does both and has had time out of her career. Um, and it's not stopping her. She's still doing really well. And the other person I really rate for that kind of coming back after a career break and doing really well is um, Louise Brown, who's been on the BCS Women Committee forever, I think. <laughs> I don't know, she probably won't like me saying that. But she's, 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 she's really, she's doing really interesting research on like textiles and computational modelling of textiles okay. um, at Nottingham. But she does loads of work for BCS Women as well, and she's cracking. Brilliant. So, I kind of, I, I'm not very good at um, politics and sitting on committees and all of that kind of stuff. So I like the people that sort of quietly get on with it rather yeah. than the people that make a lot of noise. <laughs> I, I've got you, absolutely. Now, yeah. okay, now you, um, you, you've given us yeah. a message for blokes. You, you've told us some of your inspirations. If you were going to give a message to some, some younger girls now about how they should be approaching this stuff, what they should be thinking, what would you say to them? So I would say that, Computer science is a really good place for women at the moment, particularly for younger women, because everybody's buying the diversity argument. 
So all of the companies want to improve their diversity bottom line, but there aren't very many women. So right now, if you're a young woman in tech, you could do really well because the companies want you. And there's not, it's not always been the case that the, the, the needle has swung this way. But at the moment, there aren't many women graduates in computer science, and there are lots of companies wanting to employ women graduates of computer science. So I would say you could really go far if you're a young woman in tech. Um, universities great. are graduating 17% women, approximately. Companies are aiming for 50-50. So do the sums. Absolutely. There's plenty of scope. Hannah, that, that's really excellent. Thank you so much for, for spending some time with us. We really appreciate your, your, your comments and we'll, um, we'll catch up with you soon about your submarine project because I'm fascinated yeah, by no, it. Thanks for your okay. time. Cheers.